0: Daily Drive is brought to you by eBay Motors. Auto dealers, are you missing the most engaged buyers because you don't know where to find them? At eBay Motors, you'll find buyers so motivated, they purchase a car or truck once every three minutes. Just call 866-210-5362 and mention code AUTONEWS to get 50% off your first two months. I'm Jason Stein, publisher of Automotive News, and this is Daily Drive for Monday, April 12th. In just a few short years, Brent Burns has seen his share of ups and downs as CEO of JM Family Enterprises, a nearly $18 billion diversified automotive company founded by the late Jim Moran. But the wild swings of the industry could not have been more pronounced than what has occurred in the last 13 months. Brent watched dealers and consumers grapple with the early uncertainty of COVID, grinding everything to a halt last spring, then watched again as the consumer came back stronger than ever. That resulted in a phenomenal growth year, ultimately in 2020, and now a full head of steam for 2021. It's been a unique perch to watch from, especially because the JM family nest is also changing at the same time. Pre-pandemic, JM set out to rethink and renovate its large campus near Fort Lauderdale. Try going through a construction project in COVID, where social distancing has become an important consideration now and in the future. But JM Family is on the right track. For perspective last year, it ranked number 19 on Forbes' list of America's largest private companies, and Brent Burns oversees all of JM Family's businesses, including Southeast Toyota Distributors, JMA Group, Southeast Toyota, JM Lexus, and Home Franchise Concepts. Today, we catch up with Brent from the site of that construction project to ask about the state of the industry, the strength of relationships with their Toyota dealers, and the addition of a key member to the leadership team. Brent, it's a pleasure to be with you. It's a pleasure to be with you in person, which is a little bit of a novelty for this Daily Drive podcast. Good to see you.
1: It's a, it's a pleasure to be with you too, Jason, and we're thrilled to have you here on our brand new campus. You're the only person who's actually been here twice, I think. So, congratulations.
0: Let's update everybody on the progress of the campus because I know this is a, a project that you undertook, obviously at a different time and a different place <laughs> in this industry. Uh, but, or uh, you know, certainly you know, given given what's happened in uh, in the world, tell us uh, the the amount of progress that you're making here.
1: So it was uh, it was a multi year project. Uh, originally scheduled to be um, four main buildings one of which um, was designed to be a big gathering place that we were going to call the courtesy center and uh, and quite frankly uh, we had the ability to shift the strategy so it is now going to be three uh, facilities with uh, uh, lots of outdoor amenities and uh, an amphitheater that's outside that I think will allow people to gather, but to, to do it in a, uh, in a more um, post-COVID friendly fashion uh, than we ever envisioned. But, uh, uh, you know, we've got this phenomenal, as you've experienced, Nest, which is our dining facility here. And, uh, you know, on any given day, a campus that would normally have 1,200 people on a big day in this post COVID world has probably 150, maybe 200 people on it. Uh, so it's a, it's a bit of a ghost town. Uh, and, uh, um, we're going to figure out, um, we've made working from home and the, the technology has worked exceptionally well for us. And so those folks that could work from home have had the ability to do so. And we will, um, bring people back, uh, in phases. We've told everybody that we won't go back to um, uh, uh, the next phase until after school's out and they have certainty about uh, child care and, and, and where things are. Um, and, and quite frankly, we'll keep the best of the COVID learnings. And I don't think we'll ever wind up in a truly pre-COVID uh, work Um, position from, from a practical standpoint, it will be blended. I think our people will drive that. Um, some departments are exceptionally productive. Um, you know, if you had told me, I'm, I'm laughing as I walked over here in our funding department for, um, Southeast Toyota finance, normally 50 ish people. I walk by there as I come to the cafe and, uh, there are four diehards that come in and work um, because they like the camaraderie and they like the structure. Um, but there's 46 or ish people that are working and they're working productively. And if you had told me that we could, I knew we could underwrite remotely cause we've been doing that for years, but I would have never believed that we could fund and do everything digitally and we're now up to 70% um, e-contracts. Pre-COVID, we were probably in the 35-ish range. So it's doubled. And uh, and so, you know, it's a perfect example where you keep the best of, uh, of this, and we'll never revert back to the mean.
0: So many people uh, around the country, especially in a corporate sense, are struggling with what to bring back and how to bring back um, employees. Uh, there's, You believe that there's a true benefit to the interaction that occurs, and it's much more about nurturing, growing, expanding your skill set, and really developing relationships, right, Brent?
1: Yeah, you know, we. I think we have had the benefit of, you know, JM's culture is so deep and Mr. Moran really – uh, Infuse this organization with an associate centric uh, approach, and it 's a very relational not just amongst ourselves, but our business model is all about helping our partners, whether it 's Toyota or our dealer partners all be as successful as they can be. And if we create a model where we generate that success with our partners, then that will drive our success. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's really enabled us to, to, to be able to, to pivot, but that relational nature, um, and the, uh, breathing that continuing life into that culture, um, Rosie and her team have done a great job on the communications side. I think even though we've been apart, I think we've stayed close together. But there's some things where you just grow and you learn. And, I, I you know, most of us, I think, work best in an apprenticeship model where you've got the ability to have someone be there. And, and you know, you have to be so intentional when you're remote. You have to set up a team's meeting and, and – um, it's that spontaneity in the hallway conversation and that spark of innovation um, and and building that trust. I just don't know that there's a substitute for that. So I think we'll always have an element of that with with everything that we do
0: it's interesting not only uh your own organization but your key partners at toyota and in plano had gone through almost an identical situation which is to adjust after you have such a gleaming wonderful facility built at at what point did you say uh just to go back to something you said earlier at what point did you say we need to accommodate for what the future is going to look like And how do you do that while you're, you know, as they say, (laughs) building the plane while it's flying? Right.
1: We were fortunate in that the way our offices were built, um, they were designed to be incredibly flexible. So um, that allows us to reconfigure without having to pull permits and to knock down sheetrock. So other than the core of the building Uh, you've got um, fixed walls the rest of it is demountable movable walls and the floor is almost a raised floor like an old computer room so that the um, low voltage and high voltage comes from the floor up so you can move the furniture and literally move the walls and we've already done that that group that i was telling you about that we had so few in um, we're going to repurpose a big chunk of that space into a different purpose on an ongoing basis than we had ever intended for it. So we were a little bit flexible by the design of the office, but as I mentioned, we had that one um, big meeting facility and and group space where we just said, you know, I don't see that likely happening in the future, and so. Why don't we find a way that we can repurpose it for this, um, you know, this kind of post-COVID world?
0: Let's talk about the industry. Um, Marsh was incredible. We've had a great start to the year, probably a start to the year that most wouldn't have anticipated if you sat here a year ago and said, what's the future look like? You might have even been called a little crazy. You would have. What, what does the industry look like to you right now?
1: It's um, uh, We're blessed. Uh, You know, who would have thought that um, in a post-COVID world that you'd have um, the consumer be as resilient as they are? I think COVID, quite frankly, helped and drove um, the value of personal vehicle ownership. um, And... um, your home and your car became your two safe spaces and the whole idea of public transit or gig alternatives um, or flying on a plane. And so, you know, the road trip became real again. And um, I I wouldn't, wouldn't have thought that our friends in the car rental business would actually bounce back as well as they have. But with nobody wanting to go the gig route, they're much more comfortable renting a car from a reliable uh, rental car firm and the road trip side of the equation. So, uh, you know, the business has, uh, the the consumers have been resilient. You know, you and I both know dealers are the most resilient, resourceful business people. And there was no question in my mind that they would rise to the occasion. Um, And then we're, we're so blessed to be associated with Toyota. Um, you, You know, their ability to bring their supply chain and their plants back up and do it in a safe fashion and in a in a responsible fashion. And I thought that last year was the year of the restocking of the shelves, or at least the last six months. But quite frankly, the demand is so strong and the supply chain issues, a myriad of things, whether it's the, you know, the chip shortage that the whole industry is facing, uh, you know, fires, earthquakes, uh, you, you know, the whole wrath of God thing that we're we're all dealing with here is uh, uh, is is challenging that, and and I think we're going to have a real issue all year this year with keeping up with the demand and, and keeping the shelves restocked. Yeah, and sure. who'd have thought that the MMR would? clock in at 169. I mean, the strength of the used car market is, is phenomenal,
0: yeah. you know? You'll hear more from Jam Family Enterprises CEO Brent Burns
2: after this. The most motivated car buyers aren't knocking on your door anymore. They're online, but you don't have to look far. You can find them at eBay Motors. Our platform features over 7 million engaged users. Our buyers are so engaged, they enter over 3 billion search impressions per month and buy a car or truck every 3 minutes. Today's car buyer has high expectations when they browse online. eBay Motors helps you meet those expectations. Use machine learning with our AI-driven vehicle pages, and you'll automatically optimize your buyer's experience. It's as easy as listing your inventory and watching as the most engaged buyers find you. If you've ever uploaded your automotive inventory to a website, you have more than enough skills to get your cars listed on eBay Motors. It will feel like you're setting up an entirely new car dealership within minutes. Once you list your available inventory, you'll have additional support from the platform, including a single destination page for your entire brand. Want to generate more sales automatically? eBay Motors lets you choose between auction, classified, and fixed-price listing options so the site does the heavy lifting. It even integrates with your existing dealer or vehicle management system. All you have to do is list your inventory, sit back, relax, watch a movie, and then check back in to see the sales you've made. How do you start? It's as simple as creating an account. Call 866-210-5362 and mention the code AUTONEWS to get 50% off your first two months. Find out why selling cars has never been this easy. That number again, 866-210-5362. How much more
0: savvy is today's consumer relative to a year ago? And how does that change at the dealer level? What have you seen change at the dealer level to address that?
1: I think that um, the consumer has always been savvy. so, um, But I think it has accelerated digital, not just adoption, but digital demand by a decade. Um, and I think it's it's been in... A strange unusual fashion i'll use my eighty two year old mother as an example. you know who'd have thought that people at that stage in life, through the necessity of wanting to have touch free uh, transactional capability and delivery as opposed to having to expose themselves um, it's caused all of us to become more digital and raise our game to to meet uh, those demands. Now, you knew that, you know, my kids and your kids were going to be in that digital mindset, but you would have never thought that you'd have kind of a little bit of a barbell effect where you'd even get, uh, you know, a much older group bought into that. And so I, you know, whether it's, you know... Instacart or Uber Eats or whatever the case may be, I I think you know this idea of deal with me in the time and on the basis that I want to be dealt with in an omni-channel fashion has has really made digital retail become um, more real and more bought into by even some of the die-hard. Retail dealers that uh, that would have said, "Eh, I, I don't really need to to get there." And uh, you know, whether it's smart path with Toyota uh, or uh, you know a host of uh, tools that the industry is uh, is is bringing to bear, I, you know, it's it's table stakes now. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I think we can, we'll all just have to continually get better and better at it.
0: How much further can we progress as an industry when it comes to that digitization effort. And I've got to believe that F&I opportunities are going to be plentiful going forward. Still an enormous area, um, extremely profitable part of, of the business, but it's going to get more efficient. I'm guessing.
1: Yeah. And I, I think um, like everything else um, you can't have an omni-channel experience if you're going to wait and present F&I at the end of the process. So I, you know, we've worked hard at JMA to get out in front of um, getting those products and having rich materials that the dealers could have on their website and having the consumer have the ability to understand those products. And I think we've got to do a better job as an industry, making those products more understandable uh, and and, and more relatable to, to consumers. Um, you you know, but the reality is there's still, these cars are so complex and the, uh, the componentry, uh, is, um, uh, is at a level where you can't really put people in a position where they can afford many of the potential breakdowns that they might get. And so the certainty of knowing that you've got a service contract, that I can pay for on a monthly basis in order to avoid the um, the huge potential cost that I might incur uh, if if there was a a, a breakdown. And uh, so I, I you know I think there's there's real value in uh, in so many of those products. And I think the more you can simplify those and present that information upfront. I don't believe, and and this is a bit of a transition because there were many of those products that I believed needed to be sold, that they weren't necessarily purchased, and I don't necessarily believe that anymore. I believe that we can present a value proposition where they will be bought. They don't always need
0: to be sold. I bumped into a couple of your executives in wandering around your campus here uh, today. One of them is your predecessor. Um, what are your priorities uh, as as his successor, as you look at the back half of this year and also into the, into the years to come? What's on your agenda?
1: You know, I think it really,
0: it's preserving and leveraging the
1: great culture that we've got here, which is really, it gets back to that relational thing that we talked about. You know, first and foremost is, um, we believe that our associates are our most important asset and that, you know, as great as our products and services are, they're brought to life by our associates and our ability to to, to, to differentiate. And then it gets back to that, again, that kind of virtual circle of we are Toyota's partner um, and we are... Here to be their representative and to represent the brand and grow the share, and we can only do that with the best dealers in the world. And we've got 177 of the best dealers in in the country, and we're doing everything that we can to make them be as successful as possible. JMA has a a wider mandate than that, and you know they've got a who's who client list, uh, and uh, uh, and and they aren't just in the f and i business they're in the performance improvement business that's always been their motto they um they kind of compensate themselves through the products but the reality is they're there to help those dealers be better and you know it really comes back to jim moran's philosophy of you know don't just meet people's expectations exceed their expectations and um Go a step beyond, and he was a dealer, and so we, we've got the heart of a dealer, and, and and I think that's really critical for us.
0: The other executive who I ran into is your relatively new CFO. What does Cheryl Miller bring to the equation? Uh,
1: we're we're so excited to have Cheryl uh, uh, back in the, in the fold, and uh, um, we're uh, we're thrilled to uh, to have her experience that she gained in that. Uh, uh, decade when she walked uh, uh, outside the family. But we you know, uh, open arms and and thrilled to have her back. Uh, It brings a a, a great retail perspective. Not that I I think we were disconnected in any way from the dealer side, but it's great to have that insight uh, that that she brings. And it's allowed uh, Ron Coombs, a long-term Season leader here, who had been our CFO, to focus on Jam Holdings, which is our diversification uh, efforts that we've got going. Yeah, tell
0: me a little bit about that. What What do you aim to accomplish there?
1: So we're really trying to leverage the same competencies and skill sets that we've got here, uh, and, and that we've worked on for 50 years. And uh, so our first significant acquisition was a company called Home Franchise Concepts and um you know they've got uh they've got five brands so budget blinds is uh, is is the biggest window coverings uh franchise uh in the uh, in the country they've got uh, over 1600 franchises franchise territories out there um, and then tailored living which does garages and closets um, Advanticlean uh, which is in the restoration business uh, and so with Yuri and the hurricanes that we had this year they've uh, they've been uh, they've been really uh, really busy concrete craft which is decorative and stamped concrete which we think is a huge um, untapped market, uh, that that's out there. And then our newest addition, uh, is a, um, is a company called, uh, kitchen tune up that, uh, does quick makeovers to kitchens and, uh, they've just launched bath tune up. But I, I say that, and and, you know, the home, just like the car has been that safe space. And with people working there, people have really been pouring money into that business. So we've had a a really robust response, uh, on, on that side of the equation, but I get back to, it's the same business model. It's a relationship with a franchisee doesn't happen to be a car dealer, but happens to be a, uh, you know, a home and services, uh, franchisee that we're helping them serve their consumers with products and services so it's the same business model, and it's leveraging those same competencies and skills that, uh, uh, that we've been honing for 50-plus years here.
0: Kitchens, closets, and blinds. Are we going to see you on your own reality show at some point? It's like Property Brothers with Brent. I don't know that it would be <laughs> as
1: exciting as, uh, as the car business.
0: Thanks so much for having me here. My pleasure. And that's Daily Drive for Monday, April 12th. For breaking news, go to autonews.com. And for a library of nearly 300 interviews, go to autonews.com slash Daily Drive. We'll be back Tuesday.